You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's up? Derek, um, kind of numb, but that's okay. <laughs> I got good whiskey to get us through this. Um, my dream car is directly behind me, and my dream board of vehicles is around us, so that's fine. We'll figure this out, but we'll start with introductions. We'll dive right into where we are, what this is all about, how this happened, because this is incredible. And then we'll just start asking questions like we always do. And then, I don't know, four hours is going to elapse. And then <laughs> the cameras are going to start on fire. And we'll just make the best of it. So what's up, man? You want to introduce yourself and your company? Sure. I'm Matt Wetzel with TJ Hirsch Enterprises. So what is your background? Because there's like Lambos and Ferraris behind you. And it's not just like a typical Tuesday, specifically because of the fact that this is Buffalo. And most people don't realize that there's an actual exotic car market in our city. Everyone just thinks it snows. So why would you have that car here? Sure. We get that a lot, actually. People are asking, where did these come from? I didn't know there was a Ferrari, yet alone multiple in one place. Mm -hmm. Um, My background, I'm an automotive appraiser. I'm an insurance adjuster and just an all-around car guy for my entire life. But officially with an exotic car club, I run the West New York Exotics for 11 years and then four years here at TJ Hirsch. So when 
when did you fall like let's just start from the very beginning at what age were you kind of like this is my thing somewhere around daycare age really uh, my dad had an audi race car and i was getting picked up and dropped off to daycare in a (laughs) full-fledged i think it was a group a audi rally car when he had it on the street just for fun that's incredible okay so that kick-started it yeah he had in a few fancy cars on different vacations around the country and all of a sudden you say hey this isn't too bad kind of like that so you you're obsessed with cars but are you obsessed with working on cars because there's a different clientele i feel where people can just get under the hood and know everything about everything but I understand you're an appraiser, so you're kind of like, hey, this is all OEM. It's going to cost you $4,000 to fix the bumper because of A, B, and C, and we got to take this off, whatever, that conversation. But are you more of the mechanic side, or are you just more of the, I love exotic and cars? And understand cars. And understand cars. Probably the latter. Um, I don't mind working on them. I just don't have the patience. My father loved to problem solve and sit here and think about, this was rusted, how could we fix it? Mm-hmm. And my kind of go-to is let's get the plasma cutter out cut that thing right off of there <laughs> and then we'll just put something new on so i know about them the insurance adjusting helps i know all the different parts how they go together but i'd probably sit there and let someone else do that yeah and there's a lot of people that don't understand how hard that is to become an a um an appraiser yeah an appraiser for the insurance companies because it's not just like we have to replace the bumper it's like you said everything ties into itself and that's what jacks up the price where something that may be a thousand dollars to fix at an auto body shop it's not because all the other parts have to fit and you know then there's paint colors and schemes and everything else so how was that process for you in getting certified in the insurance world before we even dive into the business because that's a whole separate can of worms that we have to discuss did the insurance come before the photography or did the photography come after okay so let's go all the way back then before we get to the appraiser part so your dad was dropping you off at daycare in the Audi race car. And then after, like, obviously you grew, you grew up, you worked other jobs, and then you started photographing cars, right? Is that Was that your first entrance into this world? That was, yes. Yeah, I've always been an avid photographer, so this was a beautiful subject to tie in. Beautiful places, beautiful cars, sometimes beautiful people if we were really lucky. Mm-hmm. And from there, I met a bunch of car owners in Buffalo We'd do photo shoots and go to cool places like Ellicottville, get the fall foliage. That tied into my father's business is a lot of these people needed service work. They need an oil change on their Ferrari, what what have you. So it kind of compounded his customers, became my customers, mine became his. That's how the Exotic Car Club got founded. A bunch of people said, let's do this more often, even if we're not doing a photo shoot. So what was your, do you remember the first car that you shot? photography on like what was that Mm -hmm. process like was that your dad's customer that you were like hey dad i really want to get into this let me steal this guy and his ferrari and let me take pictures of it it was yeah it was a uh probably an 05 06 ford gt he was working on for one of our customers uh we were their mechanics so they had maybe six or seven cars like 30 motorcycles and my dad would go to their house prepare a car when they wanted to take it out friday night to dinner they would wreck a car, need a car serviced, and he'd be there to do it. And the one day we had the Ford GT in, I think for an oil change, and put it to the barn next to our house and got some shots. 
did you study photography in school or anything or what was your photography background no just fun it, uh, it was just fun I mean I've always found that if you just followed what the magazines did you looked at their photos as you're reading up on all the cars and said hey I'm going to recreate that shot you kind of taught yourself along the way what was your process of photo like shooting a car that's a whole business now is just strictly being a car photographer so what is the the process do you start with uh, a wide angle shot and go inside do you stay away from the inside like what was your did you have like a step plan to do that it usually depended on what the customer wanted what the client was requesting so sometimes for like a billboard shoot you're just going for that classic three-quarter angle there's no interior there's no anything there's just one shot that's what you're paid to take sometimes for an auction or a car sales like a brochure if you will you have interior you have engine wheels tires whatever it may be i would just work through a checklist i'm a big checklist guy Mm because i forget everything um so yeah that's how i would usually approach it that's so cool it is because then it brought you into starting the exotic group so what was that you basically just said there were more people that wanted to just do it more often and you're like why don't we just formalize a group put it on social media and then see who else joins which led you into this business i suppose it seems like a natural progression because then everyone's (laughs) like hey where do you so yeah it was probably a conversation of where do you put your car when it snows for the next nine months Mm -hmm. okay exactly that's all the businesses get tied together it's it's a really i think a good business plan because the customers need this they need that and you might as well be the one providing all the services Mm -hmm. how important is it to keep your car in a temperature like this car is but not my gmc train i don't care but like ferraris (laughs) and lamborghinis and everything like how important is it to keep it in a temperature controlled area extremely yeah extremely important i i'd go as far as say paramount really well what would happen if like i stored it in my garage first of all i don't know the car would be more than my house so i wouldn't be storing it in my garage but like would things start seizing up like is there some sort of manufacturing that these cars just aren't meant to endure the cold some parts of them the tires usually are the ones that will go Mm. first a lot of the race oriented cars like you're thinking of porsche gt3 rs uh, nissan gtr nismo something like that Mm -hmm. their tires are really really soft rubber compound and that will actually break down in the cold as far as to we had a customer the camaro zl1 the one alley track package the tires were actually cupping where pieces of rubber were coming off in chunks off the tires when it got delivered in the middle of february and it was zero degrees out oh my gosh yeah that's wild so my heart would sink pieces of tires just coming off yeah i mean i would i would lose my mind but (laughs) all of these cars are on the ground so do you have to like put them on the you know those little rolly carts that the tires then sit in is that just as important or is it okay to sit on the ground because it's such a soft rubber that they're not going to have a flat spot the soft rubber is what leads to those flat spots but being that we store cars we have very particular standards that will put a car away so all of the tires get overinflated, so that way it combats against any type of flat spotting if you have your own personal garage and it's not a setup like this where the cars are put in very close to each other, you can get flat savers like the little cradle you're talking about. It doesn't work as well here because we have so many cars in a smaller space, but if you had a heated garage at your house, that'd be a great idea. 
Gotcha. Okay. So you, you did your photography. You kind of got Western New York Exotics off the ground. Can you tell people kind of what Western New York Exotics is and how that started? Sure. So back to that driving, going to do photo shoots, people figured out they wanted to do dinners with their friends, go to car shows, do charity events, all fun stuff like that. As far as kind of what the club is now, we have just about 70 members, not including spouses, so about 140 people, give or take, about 200 cars in the club, so some people with multiple cars, and we're, I would say, on this side of New York City, we're definitely the largest exotic car group, and we're a social group with an affinity towards high-end cars, so dinners, drives, dealership parties, just anything, really, track days, those are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet. Where do you go for track days? Like Watkins Glen or? Watkins Glen's a very popular one. Uh, Cayuga Motorsports Park in Canada. That's another really kind of close one. It's only about 50 minutes over the border. And then some of our members are literal professional race car drivers where they go to the 24 hours in Le Mans in France. They'll do Daytona 24 hour. They race all across the world. So do they ship their cars from here to those racetracks in Europe and then bring it back yeah that's fine that's a, that's just a tuesday coordination that's i like that does. so what was the first car that you stored uh under the business we're just like we're up and running i'm i'm open to accepting vehicles what was the first one do you remember i was not here when this business actually opened so this business is probably 10 or 11 years old at this point i only joined about four years ago mm-hmm. my business partner tj of tj hirsch enterprises I believe was storing his Celine Mustang was probably the first car that came in or his father has a uh, classic Rolls Royce as probably one of those but that's awesome under my management here this facility in particular we had a Celine S7 was one of the first cars that was here and that's half a million dollars is that a white car Liz stick red after Steve Celine's wife Liz oh there you go. I remember seeing a white Saline S7 like a while ago driving around Elma. And I'm like, I wonder how much that car's worth. And then I never saw it again. So That was one of our clients. Really? Like a silverish color. Okay, so the yeah, right yeah. light, it, it would be white. Um, that ended up in Utah. But yeah, it's a twin turbo edition. So you're probably six, seven hundred thousand now. It's wild. Yeah, it's incredible. The So you've clearly seen a lot of cars come and go in this area. Um had there been any notable ones outside of the one that we just discussed where you're like, I really wish I would have stayed, but I understand because of the market? Yeah, we've had a few that are still in Buffalo that come through here for special events, public relations sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a Lamborghini Miura and Clarence. It's a seven-figure car, one of my personal favorites. There's several new Ford GTs that are a million to two million, depending on the spec. Those are incredible cars and then we had a 1928 bentley six and three quarter liter touring speed touring le mans um a 2.8 million dollar bentley and that was a beast it's just funny because a lot of people get a vehicle even at you know chevy dealerships on you know in in lancaster depew and they're just like hey i want to pick up this vehicle it's super nice but then no one understands the maintenance behind it in regards to the simple things like you said before an oil change where you know you you step into something and an oil change might be 150 bucks and you're like why and it's like well it needs that much oil it's kind of a pain to do the oil change so you're taking into account labor but when you step into vehicles like this 
the maintenance costs alone are generally people's mortgages. If not more. If not more. Yeah. Depending on the vehicle, which is insane. So let's just generally speak about the vehicles that are around us now that our viewers can see. Um, and then I personally, because I'm weird about it, but do you know general maintenance costs for some of these vehicles of like, I, I have an idea of how much the oil change is for the Ferrari? Somewhat. Somewhat just yeah. from having clients that talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an F430 Ferrari in the glass room behind you, gentlemen. We had a client with a, a Nero or a black one, this color particularly. That one at a Ferrari dealer we had the invoice for was $1,600 for an oil change. It's ridiculous. How much are tires are up there too, right? T- tires for those are like 25 All depends on the car. The wider you get, even more, but generally at least on my lotus and then the aston martin i had you're talking 300 350 for rears 250 300 for fronts if they're a weird size mm-hmm. yeah so 600 600 bucks for tires and then the mile range isn't anything insane anymore because they're designed for track days right depends so, on the suspension geometry the lotus goes okay. through rear tires 4,000 miles give or take gosh Every 4,000 miles, you have to buy a new set. Did you get the Lotus and you're like, what did I do? No, I got that and said, this is the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. That was a great car. So, all right, well, let's go back to the appraisal part because I want to know what what got you into appraising because that seems like a whole different animal. Like, you can pick up a Ford Focus and, like, this Ford Focus is probably going to be the same as this Ford Focus, but you get into some of this stuff and it's like, no, no idea. So, what got you into it and... Well, let's start there. So, like, what got you into appraising? It was a need that a lot of my clients had that wasn't being really serviced in this area, Hmm. that they would get in a car accident and the insurance company would give them an offer. They didn't feel it was right, but they didn't really know how to get more money or if they could get more money. So, through the club, people would ask, and since I was overseeing a lot of cars and I got to talk to people for buying and selling, that this is something that I could probably help with. You fast forward through helping a few people just casually negotiate with insurance companies and buy and sell their cars and do some consultation. Then come to find out there's official groups and licenses and credentials for it. So now I am a certified automotive appraiser through the IAAA. I was actually the youngest person in the world to get that certification. Really? Four or five years ago now. So it's very exciting. And I've now appraised for banks across the country multi-million dollar ferrari collections whenever they need an official price put on something dude that is wild congratulations i didn't know that cheers dude i thought sweet yeah i thought it was like geico (laughs) and you're just like i'm sure they would contact you though right like a a company like that would contact you and be like listen our one of our clients just totaled a ferrari can you help us out yeah exactly so the insurance (laughs) companies try and keep a lot in house but if there is a dispute they will hire the independent appraisers or adjusters depending on the specific state or need to to help them out. So are you specialized in exotics or is it all cars? I can do all of them and I do regularly. My passion certainly is exotics. That's in my wheelhouse. I eat, breathe, sleep exotic cars. But the other day I was down way in the southern tier. I think it was Wellsville, New York. Yep. And I was looking at a barn find kind of resto modded car truck combination been sitting for 20 years. 
for an estate. We do a lot of estate mm. purposes, a lot of taxes, foreclosures, bankruptcies, things like that, where the government wants to know what these cars are worth. Sure. Divorces specifically. We do a lot of divorces. That's sad. It's, yeah, it's yeah. sad, but that's business, baby. <laughs> that's business, baby. <laughs> that's wild. So, is, so how do you feel about when you see, like, rolling chassis for Supras that are $13,000? Do you just laugh at that? Or is it like, no, like, that's fair, because that's the market where you can't find Gen 3 Supras ever? It all depends on <laughs> how it's represented and why. You know, we'll yeah. see sometimes a kid on Facebook terrible ad no photos no information and they're asking for the moon plus mm. i'm like shake shake my head at that you know that's laughable but if you have a a well-written i don't want to say article but that's the way i refer to them is you're basically opening up literature and is i would write one and you could back up what you're asking photos documents and even perhaps you add in a couple of comparable and say Here's three Supras that have sold at this price. Mine's nicer for A, B, and C reason. This justifies my ask price. Would you ever contact somebody and be like, listen, you need professional pictures done, or you need somebody to store this correctly because your tires are flat? I don't know if I'd go out as much on the storage that we're usually filled anyways, but as far as photos... I've contacted uh, some real estate agents or had them contact me that will stage a car to make it more appealing in mm. a high-end property. And I've had a few cars on websites, different billboards. So That's sweet. Can you imagine selling a car and he shows up? Oh, no. my God, it'd be hysterical. Like, I'm asking 42. It's like, hmm, the market shows 34. <laughs> and here's my evidence. And the guy's just like, cool, man. <laughs> like. <laughs> And then you just walk away with the keys. You're like, thank you, fine, sir. It doesn't always work. I mean, I have people, I flew down to Long Island to appraise a Porsche that was for sale for a client, and they didn't lower the price at all, even though I proved they were asking. They said, we know it's high, but this is New York City, so we're just going to wait. Sure. Yeah, right. What's the furthest you've gone to appraise a car? Uh, We've looked at cars in Scottsdale, Florida, Florida. regularly around new york state long island i was down to do that collection of ferraris in philadelphia for a major bank so we'll go pretty much anywhere how do people contact you though like is it just like a google search of exotic car appraiser basically yeah i mean in perhaps in different terms they'll search just for automotive appraiser buffalo or high-end car appraisers or even look up our association that we're a part of and then it forwards them to us automatically how many people are there in your association that you're part of do you know i'm not sure exactly it's probably a couple hundred if i had to guess it's not huge by any means but there's usually someone in every state so i have an off question too because i'm sure it's come up where either members of the club or people that you know that you're just friends with have they asked you to help them find their dream car Absolutely. Vehicle acquisition is something that we do and have a lot of fun with. People can give us a laundry list of items, some which may seem impossible, but when you find that car and you can put a pen to paper and close a deal for someone... And it's their physical dream car? Literally. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be an emotional roller coaster because you can change a radius to within 500 miles and pray that what you're trying to find, but then... What's frustrating is when you add filters, it just doesn't exist on the internet. And it's because they're not necessarily posted on the internet. So you're restricted to that. So do you have the ability to 
tap into a network of dealers that are not necessarily selling, but there's always a price. And then you can just call them directly and say, I know you have something around these lines. Do you know, like, is that part of the vehicle acquisition aspect? That's amazing. Absolutely. I mean, any of my clients here I know that have these crazy cars, that Lamborghini Miura, there's only X number in the country. And if someone's looking for one, they might reach out, shoot a text to the client, say, hey, someone's interested. What would it take for this car to have a new home? And they'll say it's this price or there's no price, whatever it may be. And then you pass it along. People do the same thing for me. We're also a licensed dealer in New York State, so all the dealer auctions, any of the auctions, Barrett-Jackson, Meekum, Gooding & Company, RM, we attend those throughout the year, and mm-hmm. we'll get cars from auctions for clients. Can you explain the 10% commission thing at Meekum Auctions? Because there's a lot of people that don't understand where there's a lot of money behind the scenes getting shuffled to pay certain people off where you'll roll like a 72 Chevelle across the, the, the carpet and then it'll go for X. How does that back-end work? Because if you go to Meekum Auction, you have to pay Meekum Auction to then get your car there because they know that you have such a high likelihood of getting it sold. So don't they get a cut of it? And then whoever, like, I don't know if there's appraisers on the back-end. Can you just talk about that? Because I know sure. it's it's a lot of people get upset about it where it's like, it's like dude, chill out. It's still a business. Like, it's just selling oh. a car. But oh, yeah. it's a heated debate. It's a big business right now, and it's being disrupted by online auction houses that don't have the physical overhead as the big Meekum or Barrett-Jackson, where there's hundreds of its employees. There's literally 2,000 cars in one place that have to be stored and housed and cleaned. But essentially, you have a car. I have a car. We'll say it's this Ferrari right here. I have to send it to Barrett-Jackson, whichever auction around the country I think will do best, probably California or Arizona, maybe a Florida one. I will truck the car there, $2,000, $3,000, depending on how far. I will pay usually a listing fee, depending on the parameters, whether there's a reserve or no reserve. From there, when it sells, we'll call it 100000 just for simplicity. Mm-hmm. 10% of that goes to Barrett-Jackson from me, so I get 90 The person that bought it, they're paying 110 because they pay 10% too. So for selling that car, Barrett-Jackson now made $20,000. Wow. That's a good deal. Want to start a business, bud? (laughs) (laughs) That brings up these online ones where they don't play around as much. Bring a trailer. Had the highest auction volume year over year of all time. And they're relatively new online for their auction platform. It's $100 to have your car listed. You don't have to send it anywhere. And then only the buyer, whoever's buying your car, pays 5% up to $5,000. Oh, up to 5000 So it's relatively limited, especially you think 10% on a $2 million car at one of the high-end auctions or a $20 million car. Wouldn't you want to see it in person, though? If you're going to an auction and you're getting a car, wouldn't you want to see it in person instead of just online? Possibly. So two parts to that. Bring a trailer, super, super transparent and honest they pre-screen every car that's there oh, okay good and there's hundreds of pictures videos testimonials so they become known for their transparency so people have that level of comfort it's also seven days like an ebay auction mm-hmm. where you can go fly wherever it is in that seven days and see the car the hard part is you go to a lot of these physical auctions 
you can't even walk up to the car. It's behind a rope. You cannot test drive it. You never even get to see the backside or the interior. And now you're going to bid in a room of a couple hundred people where they're screaming, shouting that even in person, you don't get what you really want at an auction. I'm not a big auction guy. I personally want to test drive it. I want to see what that clutch is. If it's a single clutch, it's a dual clutch. On a Ferrari, that's a huge service. And even if I'm looking at it as an appraiser, I can't tell if the clutch is worn out because it's sitting here. It's not even turned on. True. Is part of your job as an appraiser driving the vehicle? It can be. That's the sweetest thing ever. (laughs) Well, not if it's a Ford Focus. (laughs) I mean, it still kind of is. For your... Because you're just in the thing. You're like, dude, this rust bucket. Let's send her home, Dale. You know, you're just ripping through third. I mean, that's got to be a riot, man. You get to see a lot of cars. It is fun. (laughs) Sometimes the client requests a test drive or a test ride along. Other times they don't. Yeah. I'm not just ripping every Ferrari or Lamborghini I'm going to look at, but sometimes it works out. Are there, is is there like (laughs) fraud when it comes to these auctions and stuff like that? Like people are selling something that they know isn't good? There has to be. I would say so. I mean, knowing it's not good is a very broad term. They might know the tires are date coded and they're 10 years old. Paul Walker and the Carrera GT. Mm -hmm. That it might need new tires and you might have to swallow that. It might be something like a historic Lamborghini that needs a full engine out service at $30,000 and it needs an $18,000 clutch and you don't know that, but you have to buy it with the expectation that X, Y, and Z is going to be wrong. So then you hire an appraiser to go with you. I will do my homework to make sure you know the most that you're willing to spend in a factual basis you're not going to end up underwater. And we've had clients that don't hire us they say uh, you cost x that's too much i'm just going to do it on my own then they get a piece of garbage and they're out a lot more than my feet imagine saying you cost too much when you're going to go buy a four hundred thousand dollar car yeah i mean people are going to pinch pennies and and generally people don't pinch pennies in the right aspects and that's you know what are you going to do that's part it's of it's got to be frustrating yeah, because you're like business, dude i told right? you you should have hired us it is very yeah. frustrating, especially yeah. when it's something like you guys know your whiskeys and your bourbon. Someone says, hey, I'm looking for a, a good bourbon. I think I'm going to go buy this one. You say, I wouldn't do that. It doesn't taste good. <laughs> this is what I know you want. You gave me your vanilla hints and whatnot. Yeah. They just don't listen, and they get it, and they don't like it. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs> so how many cars do you have stored here? Like, I know that you have other location too, but like from how many cars does TJ Hirsch Enterprise store? 75 approximately. So right is, now we have a couple that are out for service work, but we can fit 75. Is there a minimum to like, listen, we can't really store your, even if you had the room, like we're not going to store your Accord. Do you have like a minimum value that you have? You have to meet this in order to be here. Not a value as much, but it's got to fit the brand. Okay. For the last 10 years, we've been sold out every year. We normally have 15 or 20 cars. We'll turn away if people saying, here's money, please take my car in, and we don't have the room. I wouldn't say a good majority of them are cars that we don't want to say that they don't fit the brand. Mm-hmm. You know, it might just be a Mazda 3. It's a fine car. It's, you know, 2018. It's in good shape. But when I have customers coming in or a podcast or we do a news article, it doesn't look that great when I have a Ferrari sitting next to a more pedestrian car. So sure. we try and keep it within the brand. So would you ever, if you had a, like if you had a $50,000 car here for some reason and you had somebody come in and be like, listen, I really need to store my Lamborghini. It's getting bad. I just came here from Florida. I need a place to go. Would you contact that person and be like, listen, we can't have you anymore. Or is it a contractual agreement that you have to stay out for the whole year? It's a contract. Yeah. So I would never kick a customer out. Mm-hmm. I'm always about creative problem solving. Mm-hmm. So in some cases with our three locations, if I have a car here and say it is a more regular car, like it's a Mercedes or mm-hmm. a BMW 3 Series, something like that, I may approach the client and say, hey, I have this coming. You know, it's a multi-million dollar race car. It's getting dropped off. I would be willing to discount your future storage, mm-hmm. whatever is remaining on your contract, if I can put your car here. It's still one of our facilities, has all the same security features. I still check on all the cars every month. So it's really no different other than you'd be picking it up from a different address from our Genesee Street location or our phase two building behind us. Gotcha. So phase two, meaning like you're trying to expand? No, with the building's already back there. That was just our second iteration. Sure. So okay. private garages and then more year-round. People are leaving the country for three years for residency somewhere. They'll leave a car with me. Hmm. So those aren't always as fun. I mean, there's still a lot of fun ones that are long-term year-round, but we did have a Mazda 3 here for, I think, two or three years. Uh, it was a professor from UB. They're going to China to study abroad, lead a fellowship program, and we had their car for three years. Just because I know you grew up in the area, there's that Mazda 3 that's still on Southwestern. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a, or no, not a Mazda 3. I'm sorry. It's a Mazda RX-8. That's yes, what it is. At the Motel. The red one. Yeah. That's been there since I was a child. It What's going been. on with that car? I don't know. Every time I drive by it, I'm like, this thing still <laughs> isn't sold. It had its for sale sign listed for literally 18 years. I'm not kidding you. It's just maybe not that long, but like. It had to be. It has to be like fifteen. I would say ten or fifteen. 15 yeah. It probably didn't sell because it's on an RX seven. So what is going on with RX sevens? Because they're like, if it's specced for certain years, the, the price on them is just skyrocketed. I don't know if it's because of Fast and Furious. I mean, probably in part, but <laughs> like, what is going on? Well, the same thing for Skylines and Supras and all that stuff. Those are just skyrocketing because people well, want a piece of Fast and Furious. Well, there's that, but then there's also like the classical 
age point where it's like after 13 years it's a classic and then you can kind of grandfather things in and like with with r32s and then now we're trying to get our 34s there's all that debate but if you go to australia it's like skyline's capital of the world so you'll just see an r34 being daily to go to starbucks and you're just like throwing up inside you're like why is this in starbucks <laughs> it's you know it's just a casual 34 godzilla so there's actually something cool that leads to those trends that a lot of people don't realize. The same reason the muscle cars were really, really hot a few years ago. Now we're getting into the 80s and 90s, getting real, real hot, early 2000s. The people that are paying, that was the cars that they grew up seeing on posters. So I'm 27. When I grew up in the early 2000s, there was the McLaren F1, Ferrari Enzo, Maserati mm-hmm. MC12. I'm getting to a point, not me personally, but we'll say I represent 27 to 30 year olds, that if they've had their tech startup take off, they're a doctor, they've paid off their student loans, now they can go buy those cars they lusted after. The same with all the 80s and 90s imports. We couldn't have them, so there's the forbidden fruit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people have some money to buy them. That's wild. Yeah, and, but yeah, it's... That's so why supers to, are doing super things. Exactly. So if mm-hmm. you want to get ahead of the curve, start buying your 2010, 2012, that whole segment there, your Lamborghini Murcielago, early Gallardos, mm. Vipers, Need any for of that. speed. Bingo. Because <laughs> that, that market will start coming up soon just because the people that like those are going to be old enough to buy them. Term. So from a maintenance standpoint, what do you do here for the cars that people come in and bring in? What is what is the expectation of like if I was to bring a car here, what would you do for my car? Is it just sitting here in temperature controlled and that's it? Or are you you said that you're kind of checking on it every month? What are you looking for? Flat tires are a big one. A lot of these cars, whether it's a classic or an exotic, people don't like to buy new tires. It's not a fun thing. Mm -hmm. So the older tires, they'll have a valve stem leak over sitting here for six months it could go flat so we have very long air hoses and i will go (laughs) around and fill tires as needed Mm -hmm. you got to make sure they're not leaking oil or there's any big problems Uh, another big one is the chargers you have to keep all the cars plugged in continuously especially the ferraris their electronic systems do checks whether it be daily weekly Mm. monthly and it'll drain the battery so if you don't have it on a charger, it will be dead in the spring, even though it's a brand new Ferrari. So I got to make sure their chargers are working as chargers do fail. So that was one of the conversations when you were when we were setting up. Um, I was thinking because I see the cords and I'm like, OK, there's trickle chargers everywhere. I was like, that's amazing. I have to figure out what outlet I can use for our equipment because I can't trip something because Lord knows like <laughs> Buffalo Happy Hour is great. I understand that we're doing good things for the Lord. But there's Ferraris and Lambos, and it is okay for us to pull from a different breaker. So that was one of my main questions when we walked in, because I'm like, there's there are other things that take priority. So we uh, we appreciate it too, because the hospitality here has been insane. So thank you. But yeah, it's it's just wild to see the infrastructure that you guys have, because then it comes into the detailing aspect side of things too. So is that part of the services that you guys have where somebody can kind of check that block and say, hey, before I pick it up and take it out for, you know, the, the summer season, the three and a half weeks that we have, um, you know, can you detail it for me before I pick it up? Is that a thing? Absolutely. So how does that work in regards to the products you guys use, bringing things in? Do you use a specific brand of detailing uh, 
supplies, I guess, or is it just whatever you can pick up? I mean, you don't go through Delta Sonic, I'll tell you that much. Well, yeah, for yeah, sure. <laughs> but, like, are you using, like, Adam's Polish or, like, Chemical Guys and Adam's Polish yeah. are the two biggest brands, right? So are, are you using that or are you using very specific things? Because, like you said, there's, there's, um, there's like, matte wraps, then there's the actual paint, and you don't want to mess anything up, right? So how does exactly. that whole process work? So we have a partnership with Immaculate Detailing. They work out of our rear building. They have a beautiful state-of-the-art three-car facility back there. They handle all that, so I will be the first one to say <laughs> I love it. I've watched hundreds of hours of YouTube videos, love Adam's Polish, love all of that chemical guys. He does not use those. That's all kind of consumer-grade, really good for your DIY backyard mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but he's getting waxes from Japan, getting ceramic coatings from literal scientists just crazy crazy high-end stuff that it blows me away and i get to see it every day that he'll be like oh watch this i'm just gonna spray this here bam that's one year ceramic coating just sprayed and washed off with water didn't even touch it it's it's wild stuff so wow he can come on at some point i think that'd be cool and tell you days worth of knowledge and years worth of knowledge on what he does but because there has to be a huge cleaning difference between the wrap behind you on mm-hmm. your left shoulder and the paint behind your right shoulder. Huge absolutely. cleaning differences. Absolutely. I mean, both of them have different films on them. This has a clear bra, whereas this has a matte film, which also works similarly to the clear bra, not quite as thick or protective, but they both are ceramic coated, so that's one of the new higher end coatings you can do to help with cleaning and durability but and durability is one of the biggest things because we have listeners from different states and they don't necessarily understand the amount of like blue collar chuck with a truck driving around dropping things all over the throughway <laughs> then you have actual like companies with Macs, mac trucks that are driving around and they're, they're throwing stones everywhere and they always say potholes. like, yeah, potholes too, right? So like, don't follow within 200 feet. If I'm in even the Jag behind me, absolutely not. Like I, <laughs> I would vomit driving around because I'm so terrified of just a small chip because when you get into vehicles like this, a chip matters. A chip would depreciate a vehicle by thousands of dollars. So having that service for you guys is paramount, essentially from the business standpoint, because then you're able to offer that reassurance of, hey, we understand it's Buffalo. We have to rebuild our roads every season. We have winter and construction, and then we have four seasons, but that's pretty much our two seasons is <laughs> yeah. winter and construction. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome that you guys have that. But what else, what else are you very anal about when it comes to the clientele's needs? Because I'm sure there's other conversations that come up that we haven't hit on yet. Yeah, I mean, my motto usually for customers, if you need it, we can do it. Mm-hmm. So basically anything. I had a customer text me a few days ago, hey, I just bought this car online, bring a trailer auction. Hmm. I'd like it to arrive in Buffalo. That's it. So I will That's now. That's all he said? Yeah. <laughs> we have currently have two cars year-round storage of the client, and I will now go through all the transportation logistics. I'll work with the seller to coordinate the shipping of the vehicle here. When it gets here, I'll personally inspect it. We have check-in sheets, so I'll make any notes of damage, anything that needs. I will, for this particular client, make sure it's fully serviced, detailed, and it'll sit here in a spot until he texts me and says, I'm on my way to pick it up. And then I'll get it started, warmed up, 
pull it outside. He'll swap a car and rinse and repeat. How often do you start the cars that are in here? We don't. You don't at all? Nope. Are you numb to exotic cars now? <laughs> because Mike and I come in here and we're like, whoa, this is sweet. Well, I mean, you have, you have classics from like a ZR1 vet to a 67 Mustang to like other insane exotics that you're just like, I didn't even know that car was, first of all, here in Buffalo. Because like the Maserati right there is there's like one of five in the country. Like it's ridiculous. And then you add the Lambos with the different stitching where... I want this stitching in my seat. $75,000. <laughs> like, the numbers behind everything is just astronomical. So to have it in... I mean, we're, we're in the North Towns of Buffalo, and it's, it's... I mean, the North Towns, but it's barely the North Towns. Like, we're right off of a major highway, and you just wouldn't think that this is all here. I don't even want to talk about the other insurance aspect of, like, <laughs> liability. Like, what if something happens with the roof, and then the vehicle gets hurt? Like, I would be nauseous, I don't know, all day long. So, <laughs> God bless you for doing this business. But, yeah, it's just insane that this exists. Because we're car guys, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean... I don't think numb's the right word. You just become aware of it, sure. and you've seen it before, so the next time you guys walk through the door, it'll be pretty cool. Not quite as cool as the first time. I've walked through the door hundreds of times, and <laughs> I've seen so many of these cars over. I mean, they're year-round clients, or they're repeat customers for seven winters in a row. So you do get used to it, mm -hmm. but at the same time, what people expect from us is 100% excellence in everything we do. So mm -hmm. I do have to be conscious that even though I've been in this Ferrari two dozen times now, it's still a Ferrari. Right. It can't touch anything. No one can touch it. I have to make sure that it is charging. It has four inflated, overly inflated tires. It's washed and waxed the right way. It's coated the right way. And it's warmed up when the client comes. It's not just cold. Do you get nauseous parking these cars? Because I would. I'm looking at these mirrors right here, and I see how closely <laughs> those are together. And I've been having anxious, like, anxiety attacks ever since I started looking at that. So do you have, like, are you nervous parking these cars? This is, it's a big area, but you have so many cars in here. So it has to be a puzzle to get everything in here correctly. And you have to have things in at a certain time because you have to start planning where you're putting these stuff. It's a full floor plan. I designed the whole thing to make sure we maximize our space is if I configured it differently, I might be able to get someone else's car in here versus it either going to a competitor or that guy storing it at his garage and saying the heck with it. Mm -hmm. So it's helpful. But looking behind me at these two, they are close. <laughs> Again, one of the things I say, they're either touching or they're not. So I do park them with a spotter, we'll call it, to make sure nothing does hit. But that's the difference, especially on this side here where I get seven. If they aren't that close, it loses me a whole row, mm. which that's three cars and exponentially more money that we're not making because we didn't park them closer. Sure. Yeah. It's like eating pasta with a white shirt on, but magnified. <laughs> You're very aware of it. And with the right precautions, the right system, no incidents ever. So yeah. knock on wood that yeah, we no continue doubt. that, right? So are you guys looking to expand? Like, what is the TJ Hirsch vision for the next couple of years? Because you've already said that you've turned away a couple clients. Are you guys looking to expand, or are you comfortable with what you have now? Right now, I'd say we're comfortable. And the only reason is to make the jump to get a additional fourth building, we'd want to fill it. Hmm. And pay that lease, pay that mortgage, whatever it is. 
So while we do turn away, we'll say 20 cars a year, to transfer those 20 people into 40 spots or 30 spots, it has to be worth it. So we're kind of an in-between zone right now Mm -hmm. where we have so many people that want a part of this. We don't have quite enough to say, let's open a whole brand new facility. Hmm. I, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, too, because you're also getting smart to smart way to think of things. Well, of course, like only grow when you need to. But you're also having like you were mentioning before, the doctor that just paid off his student loans. You're getting to a point where our generation just finished paying its student loans and you're going to have that influx because of everything we just mentioned. So I'm fairly confident in saying that there's probably going to be an expansion in the near future. I don't know if it's within a year or like five or 10 years, not saying I'm psychic, but you're getting to a point where, you know, every 30, 35 year old paid off their student loans. It's time. Let me get my toy and then I'll just relax and then calm down and then I'll focus on my house again and I'll flip the bathroom so the wife's happy, but I need the jag, right? So it's, exactly. it's that kind of, not saying that I literally spoke about myself, but I'm speaking 100%. about myself, so it's fine. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool that you guys have this business in, in Buffalo because there's a definite need for it. There's a lot of people that work extremely hard seven days a week in the city that want a toy and it's not a jet ski, and they want to do something where they can drive to a nicer restaurant in a car that they earned and may not built because I know it's built, not bought. Chill out. And it's, it's, it's a lot because, in, you know, Buffalo is not supposed to be the L.A., but there's people in Buffalo with a lot of old family money, and they're going to want to find a place that's worth storing their vehicle because it is their baby. And it's awesome that you guys came up with this business from just meet and greets and mm. photography to what it is now yeah i think you touched on a great point that is probably something the listeners here are wondering is where did all this money come from what are these people like is it that one percent skipping out on taxes that whole thing so many of these people are mom and pop shops they have an insurance agency we have a couple guys that own pizza places or they're a contractor they've done well but they did well the last 30 years of putting in 60-hour work weeks, 80-hour work weeks that it's a Ferrari, but it's the same as someone having a second house mm-hmm. or someone having a boat or sending three kids through college and someone didn't have kids. So right. mm-hmm. a lot of these, I mean, I, we have clients that have very, very large collections and lots and lots of money, but when I look around at the 75, they're usually just regular people, few doctors, few lawyers, but they're good folks. Do you it's ever amazing. post your route of your kind of going back to Western Western New York exotics? Do you ever post your route of where you're planning on going so people can like see like how, how can the average person be involved or see your like tours that you do? Sure. Great question. So for most of our stuff with the club, it is completely private sure. for security. <laughs> you're not worthy, Derek. <laughs> It's definitely not, you're not worthy, but there are bad people out there mm-hmm. that do want these cars, and there have been carjackings, there have been problems. As someone that looks at stolen, recovered cars all the time, sure, it happens more than anyone would think. So for security of the people in the group, as there have been Bills and Sabres and other very prominent Buffalonians, we don't post much. However, there are times throughout the year that I will say, hey, we're going to be in South Wales at this town circle at this time. 
then it's up to everyone going that if they want to be more public or less public, they can choose to attend or not attend. And then throughout the year, I'll usually host in the summer, um, usually a open house here where I'll get a few high-end cars, a couple million dollars, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll put on a nice display and a, the door is open. We'll post it on social media and say, hey, You've never seen a Lamborghini Miura. You've never seen a Sebring-winning Porsche RSR. Stop on by tonight. You'll see one. Do you ever organize, like, other car meets? Like, wasn't Cars and Coffee a thing, like, a little bit ago? Is that not a thing anymore? Yes and no. So I ran one in Orchard Park, Cars and Coffee Buffalo. That was my little passion project to bring people from all over, not just exotics, not just European, not mm -hmm. import, just everything together to get away from that nonsense of typical car shows with just going to cruise nights, all the muscle cars, right. all the motorcycles, doing burnouts. Mm -hmm. That doesn't help the guy in a Panos or a little MG Spider, whatever it may be. So I ran that there for a couple of years. More people found out about it, exploded. We went to Eastern Hills, 650 cars a month. It was just crazy. We got away from the small town little gathering. So I shut that one down. I do a private one now that's hmm. just strictly invite only so it doesn't get too crazy, but I don't really do too many other car meets. They're, they're not my favorite thing. Yeah. Well, you touched on a good point because, I mean, we as young enthusiasts always thought that like cruise night was the sweetest thing in the world. And then you grow up a little bit and then you look at cruise night and you have this loser in a <laughs> like uh, Toyota Celica that he bought that isn't souped up at all, but he's doing burnouts for some reason and he's making so much noise. The cops come and it's like, guys, what are you doing? So exactly. I can a hundred percent understand why you would want to do something. You're laughing because you've seen it before. Know, Cause the guy raced a quarter mile on his quad. <laughs> it's like, why are you at Lancaster? Speedway with yeah. your quad raptor. Like, no one cares if you're running tens on a quad. It's just, it's <laughs> such a weird. People associate like car culture with immaturity for some reason, but they are associating it with the wrong type of car culture. Yes. There is this aspect of it where you're appreciating the artistry that comes along with making these cars and understanding what they can do. And then you have those kids that go to car like, cruise night like that's two very different situations oh yeah they're at the exit of cars and coffee and do a burnout and it's a four-wheel drive car <laughs> they want you on their instagram video drifting and then crashing because it's going to get more content mm -hmm. they don't care about you they don't care about your car so it, it's nothing i've ever really been excited to be a part of i'm not a big car show guy mm -hmm. sitting with the same few folks that go to every car show with a lawn chair and a cooler behind your car for eight hours in the hot sun it's just not yeah. enjoyable so we like to drive our cars mm -hmm. and that's not saying the people that don't drive them aren't going to enjoy them but i personally think that if i can go out on a sunday afternoon do a couple hundred miles get a cool lunch spot outside of letchworth that's better than sitting in any car show that's what we used to do i mean when we have had motorcycles which was literally a 0.01 percent of what we're talking about here but when we did motorcycles that's what we would do we would never go to cruise nights or anything we would just want to go out and literally ride for like 100 miles and then go back home because that's the whole part of having something like this is just to have fun and experience it yes yeah, the escape it's definitely the escape yeah and it's it's great then in smaller doses you can share it with people as yeah. you just pull up to an ice cream spot on southwestern route 20 mm -hmm. the one day we went to a, a group dinner down on the lake came back and there was 10 exotic cars you know mclarens and ferraris just pulling in these kids in their little league 
uniforms getting ice cream just freaking out. If we had put that up anywhere and said we're going to be here, there was going to be hundreds of people. Sure. And it mm-hmm. gets a little crazy. So smaller doses, and you might see us around town. If you see an exotic that you don't recognize, do you go up to them and like try to talk to them and see like what their deal is? Yeah. Absolutely. My <laughs> girlfriend hates it. <laughs> it, it. Through Cars and Coffee, through the Exotic Club, I already know way too many people in town that generally when I go out, someone will know me sure. or I will know them, which means that we're not going to get back to the car or we're not going to get into <laughs> dinner quickly without a story. But yeah, I'm all about meeting new people. I've had different cars. I've had the Aston. I've had the Lotus. Now the Maserati. Mm-hmm. I want to hear, hey, you've got this Ferrari. What made you pick that one? Did you wrap it? Did it come wrapped? Have you had any problems with service? Did you do this fix on your Porsche mm-hmm. for an IMS bearing? Whatever it may be. Then you find out pretty quickly, are they going to be kind of snobby and the car is a car? Or someone like... I'm glad you asked why I picked this dark red over this lighter sure. red. And you start a conversation. That's how some of my best friends and I ever got to meet was me reaching out to them. Uh, that gentleman with the Miura, I literally hand wrote him a letter, put it in his mailbox to introduce myself. I have no problem meeting people. That's awesome. Good for you, dude. I love so that. So does TJ Hirsch or the Western New York Exotics have a social media presence? Are you guys on Instagram or Facebook? <clears throat> yes, we are. What yeah, are your are. handles? Any idea? <laughs> it's definitely TJ Hirsch Enterprise, I can tell you, for Instagram and Facebook. Okay. It's Western New York Exotics on Facebook and Western New York Exotics on Instagram as well. So you can see usually what we're doing one day later than it happened. So we'll go out for a drive. You'll see it the next day. Car mm-hmm. is already put away. We're not there. And similarly with the shop, if we get some high-dollar cars coming in, I might not put it right away. The car may leave, and then we'll post it. You guys are hockey fans? Mm-hmm. Steven Stamkos? Oh, yeah. Pretty big deal. Really? His G63 was here probably a month or two ago. It was here twice, actually. Loaded up with all of his hockey stuff, including this was right after the Stanley Cup the first time it came in. Game-worn jerseys, like 25 hockey sticks, the champagne bottles from the locker room, like crazy, crazy gear. (laughs) I'm not a big Stamkos fan or huge hockey fan in general, but... It was cool. It was sweet to see that. And again, not something that we'd share right Mm -hmm. away just for privacy and security of of our clients. That's wild. That's awesome. That's cool that you post that stuff on on Instagram, too. Maybe not that exact example, but other stuff, too, so people can see what you got here. This is sweet, man. I, I love this, and I'm just in my glory. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to wrap up the podcast just so you we can all just like <laughs> yeah. talk around a car for a while. Yeah. But yeah, no, honestly, thank you for everything. We we greatly appreciate the hospitality, and it's really cool. There's, we're gonna force you into a couple rounds <laughs> of this, so be prepared. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot that we can dive into. There's other topics. As soon as this goes live, our our listeners are gonna be like, "Why didn't you ask him this?" It's like because we're probably gonna throw up as soon as we are <laughs> done recording because we're not okay. So be on the lookout for a round two. We're going to reach out, but yeah. And when we get big and we buy our cars, we'll storm here. Hey, I'm all about it. You bring (laughs) good whiskey and I'm, I'm happy to tell stories and look at cars. Cool, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank Thank you you. Cheers guys.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.